you can take your Bibles and get them ready and go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And in a minute, not now, but in a minute, we'll stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're continuing our series that we've done most of the year titled One Big Family. Last week, the title of the message was just a simple word, faithful, faithful. And we talked about what it means to be a faithful man or a faithful woman, what it looks like to be counted on by God. And I want to talk to you today about what I call a Christmas heart. Now, if you watch Hallmark, the Hallmark movies, how many of you watch Hallmark movies? Yeah, isn't that amazing? And listen, Penny will get upset with me because when the movie starts, I, I tell her, I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Okay, so this lady's this big executive there in New York City, and she's dating and is engaged to this guy who's a workaholic, and he doesn't have the Christmas spirit and all of that in him. And then she leaves to go to a mountain place. Maybe it's a wedding for a friend or, you know, she's the maid of honor or maybe something like some weird way. She ends up in this remote place where there's, you know, 800 feet of snow and, and, and all of that. And there's a guy there and he's really nice and all of that. And how the story ends up, she finds true love with him and dumps the workaholic, you know, non-spirited Christmas guy, and it ends well with them kissing at the end, right? Is that Hallmark or what? And I tell Penny, when it starts, I'm going to spoil it for you. But here's the thing, I sit there and watch it, and I start crying, and I like it, even though I know it's cheesy. You know why? And they're, man, they are making money hand over fist. You know why? That's what Americans want. They want that spirit in them. They want a happy story. They want to be happy and to have this beautiful thing. It's funny because when I was in Missouri a few weeks ago, Coach Vester and I, and it started snowing, it was blowing 20 to 40 mile an hour gust and sustained for 40 miles an hour at times. And Coach Vester went to the window. No, we actually went to the porch and we went into the snow started. And we were looking at a cup of coffee and we were looking and looking at that freezing and going, I don't think that snow is designed to go like this. And I came up with a term. I texted my family. I said, man, it's snowing, but this ain't Hallmark snow. This is satanic snow. (laughs) I mean, this this was like brutal. I'm going to freeze you to death and you're going to die snow. And, you know, the beautiful Hallmark snow. And it, it always starts snowing right at the end at the moment. And, ah, everybody's so happy. And you've got to have that Christmas spirit, right? Like it's this, this elusive spirit that's out there, and, and you've got to catch it. Well, I'm grateful for the Hallmark stuff because it's wholesome, it's good stuff, and, 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 and I encourage you to watch it. I watch it. I'm going to go probably watch one this afternoon and cry. So. But I want to talk about the Christmas heart. It's more than just a spirit that you catch. See, when Christ comes into you, He doesn't leave you. And He's in your heart. And there's a way you treat people. There's a way you live. There's a way you respond to God because of what He's done in your heart. And there's a man who had that heart. Stand with me in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to to look at verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 through 25. 
And this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. There's another word used for that, betrothed, okay? And I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment. But before they came together, he was found to be pregnant. Uh, she, uh, she was found to be pregnant. Did I say he? It's a sign of the times, man, I'm telling you. Whew. Even preachers are confused about what the Word of God says. Okay. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly or put her away quietly. But after he had considered this, it's a key word there, considered. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She didn't commit adultery on you, Joseph. This is from God. This is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the amazing godly example, the heartfelt example of Joseph, whom you chose to be the foster father of your son, Jesus. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, let me give you a little bit of understanding of what's taking place here so you know the lay of the land here, and then we'll jump right into the application of the message. So, what happened here was that, and this was a typical Jewish way of getting married. This is the way things were done back in ancient times, particularly among Jewish people. So, what would happen would be when a spouse was chosen for a son, Marriages were arranged. The man and the woman would go through a small ceremonial type uh, ceremony, a, a ceremonial situation, but not, not a full-throated wedding, just a ceremony, and they would, they would be legally married. They were betrothed. They were committed to one another, and yet they were legally married. They got married. The husband would go to his father's house and build an addition to his father's house, which would become where he and his wife would stay. And about a year later, somewhere around that time, about a year later, she had to be ready, and he would come to receive her. And then they would have a wedding. And then the marriage would be consummated then. 
So they were married for about a year's time, but they had not consummated it physically and spiritually. It was consummated legally, and it was done in that way. And that's the way things were done in an ancient way. And if, if a woman was found to be pregnant during that time, she was put to death. That's what happened. Or if a woman was accused of committing adultery during that time, that would happen to her. And it was usually a very public way of dealing with that. That's what happened. So Joseph, being a godly man, you know, finds out that, that, that Mary is pregnant. And so he's contemplating, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? And because he loved her and he was godly, and because, you know, he didn't want her to, to go through all of that, he was going to privately divorce her. Where it wasn't done in such a public setting. Because he would never be respected as a man if he didn't do something about it. And that's where God showed up and spoke to him and explained to him what was going on. So, how do you have a Christmas heart? What does it mean to have a Christmas heart? Well, I'm, let's, let's just assume something right now. What I'm assuming, and I'm going to unassume that later, but what I'm assuming is that, okay, from a Christian perspective, we're talking to Christians here. You've already given your heart to Christ. You have Him living within you. How do you have that? How do you have that, what we would call that hallmark Christmas spirit? What does it mean? See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It just doesn't happen at Christmas. For a Christian, we're to always live the way I'm about to talk to you about or share with you about. Okay, so here's the first thing. Only got three points for you today. How to have a Christmas heart. Number one, we need to treat our families, you need to treat your family with loving patience. Loving patience. Now, you say, what are you talking about here? In verse 19, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He was faithful to God and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Man had a heart. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, he gave it some consideration. There was some patient loving thought going into what to do about this circumstance. He didn't fly off the handle. And he dealt with that in a very godly, sobering, mature way. Okay, Look at what Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says. Okay, The Bible says here, The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Now let's just stop there. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Never judge something until you fully see it. Because you don't fully know the end result. Never judge something before it's time. So the end of a matter is always better than the beginning. It's not how you start, but it's what you do with what you have and how you finish. But look at what the rest of it says. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. To be patient. Let me give you another scripture. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. And what's that word? Patience. In the Cajun French vernacular, we call it patience. And we say, pas patience. You don't have any patience. I can remember my grandmother telling me that, Corey, you patience, you don't have any patience. And I was like, well, you know, I, I was, I, I, she was right, but I'd get upset with that, and I'd get upset pretty quick. Treat your family with loving patience. Joseph was faced with a life-changing situation. The beginning of his life, the beginning of his adult life, the beginning of, of being the man and starting a family, and all of a sudden he has this in, in, supposed indignity laid upon him. And he considered the matter. I'm sure he prayed about it. He looked at God's Word in the law, in the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. He, he knew what he needed to do. He thought about the cultural significance. There's nothing against putting her away privately. So he considered those things. And this is his wife. Now guys, I'm going to just be honest with you. This is a point that I have in my message here. And I'm trying to live this out. And yesterday I had a failure of patience when it comes to my family. Isn't it something when you try to do the right thing in a particular area, sometimes you struggle with that? It doesn't mean that you quit. It doesn't mean that you give up. And it doesn't mean that you don't look at that as the bar that's been set. It's hard to be patient with family members, isn't it? Isn't it? It's hard. Look, as a father, over the years, how many times do you have to tell them? Have you ever been there? You know, one of my pet peeves with my children growing up was, okay, it's your turn to take the trash out. This is your day to take the trash out. Here's what it means to take the trash out. And we went over that. We had some rules. I think one time we wrote them down. I went through it step by step. Okay, so the trash can that we have, you take the lid off, you take the collar off, you put it aside. You pull the trash bag out of it. You with me so far, I tell them? I'm like, yeah. You tie it in a knot. Then you take it. You don't go put it in the garage and wait for me to take it later. You don't go stack it somewhere. You take it. We're so blessed. We live next to the church. We have a, a big, giant garbage can outside. It's called a dumpster. And you take that old bag, and you go, and you put it in the dumpster. Then, and I don't care if you, what way you do it, then you come back. See, you're not done yet taking out the trash because you didn't finish the job. You come back and you go in the pantry, you get an empty trash bag, a new one that smells good. You know, they make them where they smell good now. Put my hunting clothes on time and one that smelled good, you know, and I was like, I got to the hunting woods and wonder why I didn't see any deer. But anyway, you get, so you take that bag and then you go to the trash can, you put it in the bag, put the collar back on, so, you know, and then put the top back on. And now 
you have fulfilled your duty of taking the trash out. For some reason, most of the time, taking the trash out meant to some of them sometimes taking the bag out of, the, uh, out of there, tying it, and leaving it there. Taking the bag out, tying it, and putting it in the garage. The collar and the, and, the, and the top are right here on the floor, and that's how I find my garbage can. But, Dad, I took the trash out. You did not. And there goes my patience. Right? You've ever been impatient with family? Of course you are. We all are at times. But I'm telling you what, the longer we are on this earth and the more we grow and the better we become at serving Christ, the more patient we should be with our family. You want to have a Christmas heart, start treating your family with patience and dignity. Listen, that's the training ground. You start right there, right in your family. Boy, there are times that I'm so good at it, and there are times that I'm so bad at it. But it's still the standard. Okay? Number two. Number two. So, so here was Joseph. He was patient. Number two. Be kind and respectful to others. Be kind and respectful to others. Now, we can go throughout all of the Scriptures here and look, and you'll see Nowhere does it talk about Joseph and Mary reacting and responding to the culture around them who were making fun of them. They always, when they saw Jesus in, in town or what have you, they always said, oh, there's Jesus of, 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 of Nazareth, the son of Mary. What that meant was that was a public slur to say, Joseph ain't his daddy. What they, what they didn't realize, you know, they were calling him just think about that, okay? That's what they were saying. He was illegitimate. But what they didn't realize was they were kind of right in that way, but they were coming from a wrong perspective. His daddy was the father. <laughs> but no, they were saying, there's that woman, and there's that man, Joseph. He's not a man at all. He didn't do what he should have done to his wife. He didn't do it right, so therefore, we're not even going to say there's Jesus, the son of Joseph. There's Jesus, the son of Mary. That's what he was called. That's how they dealt with that. But nowhere do you find Joseph reacting to these people and being ungodly to them and doing all kinds of other stuff. So, number two, how to have a Christmas heart. And I'm not talking about a Hallmark heart, but I'm talking about a biblical Christian heart where you're loving other people, you're loving your family, you're doing the hard things of forgiving people in the midst of difficult things. You do it this way. Be, be kind and respectful to other people. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. That's, that's, that's being, um, oh, what's the word? Long-suffering. That's the word I was looking for. Being willing to put up with a lot. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control against such things. There is no law. You can do these things and they can't outlaw it. And even if they try to outlaw it, they can't control what's happening on the inside of you, right? 
you can always have the fruit of the Spirit and be kind to other people. Be kind and respectful to others. It doesn't take a whole lot. It takes a heart that's committed to Christ to be kind to people. No matter who they are, where they come from, what they look like, what, you know, what social uh, or socioeconomic background they have, what color they are. Who cares about the color of somebody's skin? I care about the content of their heart. And that's what Jesus cares about. We're all different in so many ways, but we're all the same. We all bleed red. We all have, have a dark heart of sin. We need Christ to cleanse us. Though your sins be like crimson, they shall be white as snow when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. So how to have a Christmas heart? When you, when you give your heart to Christ, then you can be kind to all peoples. All kinds of people. It doesn't matter. Look, God, where, it, where does it say that if I totally disagree with somebody that, that we have to be ugly to each other? Kindness, man, goes a long way. Kindness. I'll just be honest with you. There's some of you, I disagree with the way some of you live. I'm just being straight up. And some of the decisions you make about what you should do with your life. And it's not right, biblically. But I still love you, and I'm still going to be kind to you. And when I sit down and show you the Word of God, I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to stab you with the swords I got in my office from different places. I mean, Brother Shane brought me back a, a, a spear from India that's got cobra venom in it. I'm on it. I'm not going to stick you with that. I love you. We've got to be kind respectful to other people can you imagine if all the true christians in america would start acting like this it would immediately change the culture it would immediately change the tenor of everything going on heck i'll tell you what it would put politicians on notice to say we're not going to put up with all that hatred and meanness that you have toward each other Mm -mm. calling each other names like little girls and Little boys and all of that. No, no, quit that stuff. Be kind and respectful to others. That's a good way to start. It's amazing. It's amazing. Hey, do something. You go to a fast food restaurant and you, you call that young lady who's taking your order, ma'am, or that man taking your order, that young man, you call him sir. Thank you, sir. I'm a, I'm a sir. Bet your bottom dollar you're a sir. I respect you. You're working. You're taking my order. You're fixing my food back there. Thank you. You see, you really do that? Yes, I do. And I have fun doing it. I've always said, you've heard me say it, always be kind to the people that are pre- preparing your food and carrying your food. Just saying. Number three. How to have a Christmas heart. Here it is. Passionately live out your faith with an obedient heart. 
passionately live out your faith with an obedient heart. Look at what Matthew 1, 24 and 25 says. Look what the Bible says here. When Joseph woke up after this vision he had and after the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him the truth of what was going on, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And what did he do? He didn't do what he had considered and what the culture demanded, but he took Mary home as his wife. And he passionately lived it out. He wasn't bitter about what had come against him. And, and, and listen, and let's just be honest. These were real human beings with real temptations and real feelings and all of that. And it says, and he did not, they did not consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born. So that there could never be a question as to the virgin birth. I mean, these are two young people in love, married. Now he had to wait a year, and she had to wait a year to be together, and now they got to wait another nine months. How'd you like to go and get married, and then, you know, have the marriage celebration, and then you're leaving to go on your honeymoon and say, a year and nine months. I mean, I know, I know it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but let's, we're all human. Let's just talk about that. That's, that's what he had to deal with. And what she had to deal with. And yet he passionately lived out his faith. He, when it was time for the census, he went and he took his pregnant wife. And, you know, they went this long way. And they didn't have any place to stay. And there was no room for them in the end. We're going to talk about that in the next uh, few services that we have. And he did it with an obedient heart. Never questioning God. He did it. The Bible says Mary purposed all these things in her heart. He knew that living for Christ and obeying Him was the only way to live. And listen, the only way to have a clean heart. A clean heart. I'm not dissing on Hallmark at all. I appreciate people for trying to make decent, wholesome movies, right? I mean, aren't you glad that somebody's trying to do something to make something, you know, decent and wholesome? Yeah. I was this week with a man who has a family, married, got two children at home, six and seven years old. Like any mother and father, they want to protect their children and keep them safe and want them to have a good education and have a good raising and they want them to be raised with a Christian ethic to love all peoples and to care and sometimes he feels like sometimes I feel like my kids are sheltered and and there there are certain things that we do from time to time that you know it exposes them to what the real world looks like and it, it, it but he said I'm scared sometimes because it shocks them and I said look I understand that and and that's good as you as they as they grow older that you expose them to a little bit of that within reason. And, and, you know, and he was saying, you know, he goes, I get really upset when they talk about how, how the, the world, nobody lives like, like that anymore. And he goes, but we do. And I said, well, don't apologize for it, right? Amen. 
We shouldn't apologize for wanting to live an obedient life and have a right heart and live out our faith and be kind to other people and, and live toward our family with patience. I know we're not perfect, and I know sometimes we all go off the deep end, and I know sometimes we get angry and say things we shouldn't say. I've always believed that when you really get hot-hearted and hot-tempered and angry, I truly believe that what happens there is temporary insanity that takes place. Because we say things that in our right mind we would never say and sometimes do things in our right mind that we would never do. And when that hot adrenaline uh, bleeds off and we come to our our right self, we realize what I did was wrong. We can't even remember what we said sometimes, right? I've had my children say, Dad, you said, no, I did not. Oh, yes, you did. That is what you said. I would never say that to you. And they're like, but you did. And I was like, oh, I was angry. And that wasn't an excuse. I said, oh, no, that's not right. I shouldn't have said that. And oh, my gosh, God, help me not to be that way. And I tell you, when you live a passionate life and you live out your faith, you're going to have some missteps at times, but you want to be obedient to him. You want to do what he says. Joseph did as the angel commanded him. That angel was representing God. You say, how did he know? Let me tell you something. You'll know the difference between a a demonic presence and you'll know the difference between that and an angelic heavenly presence. When God shows up, he says, don't be afraid. That's the first thing. What did that angel tell him? Don't you be afraid. You don't have to be afraid in the presence of God. Now, we have to honor him. And the Bible says that we can't look upon his face and all of that. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, but that's if you're not prepared. You can be prepared, and you can have a Christmas heart. That doesn't mean you live in this Pollyanna universe that doesn't exist, but you can have a clean heart, and you can treat people the right way, and you can respond in the right way. But it all starts with this. It starts by you and me surrendering to him and saying not my way but your way God and that's what Joseph said I have a way I'm going to do this the angel appeared to him and what did Joseph do did he carry out what he had considered absolutely not though he was patient and with the information that he had and with 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 the knowledge he had and the understanding that he had he had come up with a plan that he was going to go through with and then he saw through god's messenger god's word showed him different and said no you don't do that you do this and he did exactly what god's word said if you'll do exactly what god's word says it will never return empty the bible says it won't return void god's word will go out and accomplish its purposes And you may think that doing it God's way, you're getting the short end of the stick. Remember, don't judge a matter until the end. God knows. God knows. He sees it. He knows the truth. And He will take care of all of that. Nope. Hallmark, pretty cool stuff. I like it. But I don't want to have a Hallmark heart. I want to have a Christ-like heart. And yes, there are a lot of depictions on Hallmark of Christ-like character, no doubt. But I want it to last. And I don't want it to be just emotional. 
but I want it to be who I am. And though I fail in, some, in all of these areas that I've talked about today, you know I'll never preach anything to you. I used to have preachers say all the time, you should never preach anything that you're not living yourself. And I said, well, there's a lot in the Bible I can't preach then. Because I'm struggling here and I'm struggling there. But no, you should never preach anything that you're not willing to live. We've got to be willing to do this. And I tell you, not only will you have a Christmas heart at this time of year, with all the fake snow everywhere and, and, and the pretty stuff. I mean, it, doesn't it feel good to walk in a building that's decorated, get you Christmas spirit and all of that? But I'll tell you what, I got the Christmas spirit in July. Even though it's hot and nasty. And I want to have a Christmas heart in September. I want to have it in February after Christmas is over and everybody's going back to being mean to each other. That's what I, that's what I want. And I can have that. By doing what God's Word says. Doing it. And we have a choice here for Christmas as a church, as a whole. When we come together on Christmas Eve, we can say it's just about us and our family, and we just want it to be about us. Or we can care about other people and continue that Christmas heart and, uh, and help another family. The Christmas baskets we're talking about, food baskets. We're going to show up at people's houses and I don't like doing this, but I, I'm going to like it on this night. Unannounced. Okay? And we have a list of a few families, but we need more. We need you to submit a family to us that could use a Christmas basket. Somebody that really needs it. Maybe a, a family member of yours or a neighbor or a co-worker. And we're going to send a small group of people, five or six people. And we're going to show up at their door and knock and we're going to tell them who we are and where we're from. And we're going to have this beautiful two bags with a ham and all kinds of goodies to have an awesome Christmas meal. And we're going to say, we love you in Jesus' name. Merry Christmas. We want to bless you tonight. Can we have a word of prayer with you? We're going to pray with them. And then, even if you don't know how to sing, we're singing a Christmas carol with them. I don't care how bad it sounds. Hey, if you can't, you know, we'll have a little hymn book to go with you and all that, but if you, if you, can't, if you can't get it right, just sing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I mean, it, whatever. It, one, one of those will work, you know. Christmas spirit. Yeah. Um, and if, even if those folks never darken the door of our church, it's not about that. It's about saying we love you. We have a heart for our community. We have a heart for people. And yes, we're limited. We, we can't do it for the whole world. But if everybody does a little bit, you know, we, we just want you to know we care about you. And that's one way to have a Christmas heart as a church. All of us together. Some of you are not going to be able to be here. Some of you are going to be with your family in other places. And we understand that. But those who are, that's what we're going to do. We're going to represent those of our family member, of family here at JBC that can't be here. And we're going to go do that. One big family. Let's have a heart and let's have it all year long. <laughs> I know people start like in October when they start playing Christmas music. And I get it. I understand what, because I'm like, can we eat the turkey first? You know, 
I, I get that. But there are times, man, like in the middle of the year, I'm like, I, I want some Christmas music, man. I, I, you know, and, I, and, and well, it's the same way in the middle of that year when people are down and struggling at the end of winter time and, you know, it's just, things are bad at work. Man, you be the difference. You show that Christmas heart. Because Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, He's come to indwell us through His Holy Spirit. And it's not something that happens once a year, but it's every day of our lives. Every day. Every day. Can you imagine the change that will take place with the guys you work with? If you bring that attitude? Can you imagine what it would be like, ladies, at the doctor's office where you work at? Can you imagine, students, what it would be like at school in your class? Oh, you, yeah, people make fun of you, but you just be the real deal. You just be the real deal. God sees, and He will reward. And I'm telling you, there will be people that will come to you. I know as a teenager, when I first got saved, my life changed. I have one of my friends, cousin, very close to me, has the same last name as me, and he came, almost like Nicodemus came to find Jesus in the night at my house by himself. And he goes, I want what you have. But unfortunately, he wasn't willing to give his life to Christ, and I told him. And he goes, yeah, but I wish I could have that. And I said, but you can. It's not something that's exclusive to me. You can have it. And he saw the change. See? They'll make fun of you, but somebody's listening. Somebody's going to come. Somebody's going to want what you've got. That's what a Christmas heart is, and then you, you give it. You give what God's given to you. If you've never received Christ, do you know what you're missing? You say, well, preacher, if I give my life to Christ, I've got to quit all this stuff. No, 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 no. Here's what happens. You get a new heart, and your new heart doesn't want all that old nasty stuff that poisons your heart. He gives you a new heart, new things come into your life, and you don't need all that old stuff. You don't. Now you have a spiritual high that you can't get from any other thing. You can't get from a substance, and you wake up in the morning, you remember what you did the night before. You have Christ in you. You will drink from the well of the water of life. And you'll never thirst again. Meaning, you'll never be seeking for these other things to bring fulfillment to your heart because you have found the one who's brought fulfillment to you. He's filled the hole in your soul. And you don't need all these other things. You don't need substance abuse. You don't need riches. You don't need whatever it is, accomplishment to make you feel like you're whole. You have Him. And if you've never given your heart to Christ, what a Christmas it will be for you if you do it today. Before you walk out of this place and say, I want that. I want that. Would you bow your heads with me before you stand? Just bow your heads right now, right where you are. I'm going to have our worship team come. They're not even looking at you, just me. Anybody would say, Pastor, I want that Christmas heart. I'm a Christian, but I need to grow in that. You want to raise your hand? You want to raise your hand? I'm, I'm raising mine. 
All right, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? There you go. All right, I want that Christmas heart. Now, would there be anybody in here to say, Pastor, I'm, I've made some decisions in the past. I believe in God, but I've never really given my heart to Christ. Today, I want to do it. I want to get saved today. Would you raise your hand, anybody? I want a new heart today, right now. Anybody in here? Anybody? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I very seldom do this kind of stuff. I just feel led to do it today. All right. Father, I want to thank you for those who have raised their hand, those who didn't, who want to have the heart of Christ in them. Help us to be like Joseph, an obedient heart, to love our families, to be patient, to wait on you. To not respond to everybody that goes after us or criticizes us, but to just obey you. And then to passionately live it out. Help us to do that. Would you stand with me this morning if God's spoken to you in any way? This altar is open for you to pray, to lift up your need to Him. You know we sang a song earlier in the service. You may be bound by chains Whatever it might be, emotionally, spiritually. Or, for you it might be, hey, this is the day I want to join this church and I want to be a part of this fellowship. (laughs) And this may be your moment. Whatever God's leading you to do, you come as we sing and we'll trust Him for that, okay?